Welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a life with respect, dignity, and fulfillment. But as we transition into elderhood, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here are Phyllis and Rubina. Good afternoon and uh, welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Uh, Today, Phyllis Eamon is right here with me in Fullerton, California, and we are happy to uh, to be joining our listeners. Uh, Phyllis, welcome to California. I hope you're enjoying the sunshine. Oh, it's been fantastic. This is the first time that you and I are together doing the show, and it's really terrific. Great. And uh, I've had the additional benefit uh, from learning from Phyllis because she is my house guest, and we've really been uh, been uh, enjoying ourselves. Uh, Phyllis, you came to California to attend uh, Olive's Olive Community Services third annual Vision Luncheon. Uh, can you share with us what it was all about, or where where you feel that you can? Then I'll share with you because I lived it. <laughs> you certainly did for the past few months. So I was thrilled that you asked me to come out and be the moderator of the panel. And the title of the luncheon was Elder Care in America: Multi Generational Perspectives. Uh, It really was a great success, a great afternoon. There were about 200 attendees, uh, ranging in age from early 20s to 80s, I would say, Mm -hmm. although we had uh, many volunteers that were in their teens. So we really did um, cross the gamut of generations. And um, the panel... um, I thought the panel was uh, was terrific. I enjoyed myself tremendously. The feedback we got was great. Yes, yes, it was. And do you want to talk about the panel? Because the panel also ranged experiences, ages, and mm-hmm. genders. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, on the panel, we had Phyllis as the moderator and uh, five guests. And one of them was a, a gentleman who is about 40. His uh, father is an active participant of Olive Live Learn Thrive programs, and his mother over the years, you know, has has left us, but she had uh, Alzheimer's disease at an early age, so the family went through the the dealing with that for many years. Uh, so we had him with us as a, you know, as a as a representative of a participant and of the 40-ish generation, generation of our of our children. The one next to him was a person who's, uh, I would say, in mid to high 50s, um, a businessman who's very much interested in what happens in the future. He just became a grandfather just about six, mm. six months ago. And... Uh, then uh, also his parents live out of state. And then we had Phyllis in the middle. Then we had one lady next to her who runs uh, a six-bedroom RCFE in, uh, in Fullerton. And she's also a board member. Then we had uh, another young lady who said she's 55. And she has children, three children, I believe. And mother and father who are going through this uh, life stage where first she had to move them to a single-story home, and now father is in a, a care facility and mother is living living on her own, and she's really, you know, managing the, you know, being that sandwich generation and managing that. And then we had a 23-year-old uh, university uh, student. So, and Phyllis was a wonderful, wonderful moderator. Oh, so thanks. that was the composition. So, thanks an awful lot. So, I actually started, um, which I think was a a, a great um, conversation starter um, for the panel as well as for the audience. And I was saying that I'm a um, I'm a speech pathologist, as I've said before. I'm in my mid sixties, and I work with people in long term care. But I'm often told by people in their 70s, 80s, and 90s that I'm just a kid, which, uh, if you think about it, sounds funny. 
Uh, and so, and I get, I hear people my age and much younger say to me sometimes that they're getting old or they f- they feel old. So I actually started by saying, what does that mean to be old? When do you feel you're getting old? Uh, when does a person think they might feel that they're they're getting old? And and we got some um, some very interesting yes. responses. Um, and some of the responses, or one in particular that stood out to me, had to do with condition. So um, some people said that they felt an older person or somebody, they would describe somebody who's old as somebody who can no longer care for themselves in the activities of daily living. Mm-hmm. But then it came up, what about people who, you know, you see that have had a stroke or have Alzheimer's or some other kind of condition where they're declining and um, we look at them and, and we describe them as old. Are we doing that because of their condition or because of their age? Because there are people in their 70s, 80s, 90s, and even early hundreds who are active and vibrant and, and living purposeful lives. So uh, the answers we got were really mm-hmm. ran the gamut. It, they really, they really did, and uh, you're you're very right. It was on the person's ability to do things that was more important. Mm-hmm. So, what else stood out to you? Uh, we talked about um, if people had plans. Have people thought about their plans for their elder years? Uh, have they thought about it? Have they discussed it with their family members? Uh, or with friends, or in their community, and what are the cultural, religious, or family expectations that people have, uh, both in caring for their older parents, or that parents have in terms of their children? you want to talk about that a little bit? Because that was interesting, I thought. Uh, yes, yes, it is. Um, I think the overriding message was that culturally, Parents do want to live with their uh, with their families, and and but now the lifestyle is so different that the children are very busy, and it's uh, it becomes impractical. Basically, the senior is at home on their own. That's when the senior is capable, mobile, and if the senior becomes mo- you know wanting needing more support then it becomes very difficult very difficult and there was a story of a a young mother of two children that one of the participants shared right Uh, also what came up uh from the one gentleman who said that his mother i believe who's no longer alive uh had uh, advanced stages of alzheimer's and they finally had to move her into a care facility and he was saying that uh they did receive um, uh, criticism, I'll say, from uh, members of their other members of their family or the community about why did they do that, and that really became um, an important part of the discussion. I'm sure uh, I've I've talked about this in, in, with other people, professionals as well as people who aren't professionals, and and have had people tell me that. Uh, they have their own guilt or and I think we talked about this once on the show before people make promises to people in their families but then as you say circumstances change people move to different environments people are spread out across the country the one gentleman whose parents live out of state I think he said his parents live in Texas yes Mm -hmm. Uh, that becomes another matter people don't want to move from where they've been living for a long period of time but yet they need the support and the children who live a distance away are very concerned about their care and uh, are they receiving uh, the care that they need. It's a very difficult dilemma that I'm sure many listeners are dealing with. Mm-hmm. I think I want to go back to the story of the of the young mother that, uh, that one of the uh, panelists was sharing, that this young mother was raising two children and they had, uh, um, was it mother or father? I don't remember. I think it was a mother. I think it was a mother. I think it was a mother who needed more care and was beginning to need even more care. And, of course, you know, she was being neglected because this young mother herself couldn't manage the children and the family and manage the elder. And when... Uh, 
but uh, panelists spoke to the the father who said, "Well, it's her responsibility." And she said, "Okay, you know, she can take care of the children and the house. So if you want to keep your mother at home, then you should quit your <laughs> job and take care of her." And and that's very true. And what really reminded me at uh, for that time is that uh, the, this concept of having extended family, right? You know that you know many people that are now here immigrants they come from this extended family system so that there is somebody there who can fill in and who can uh, who can support who can watch over um, uh, you know somebody can watch the children when they're watching their own children somebody can uh, can support uh, uh, so that's a big thing that we don't have that here I uh, something very interesting came up about that. I think it was a comment from an audience member. I, I think so, which was that uh, there is so many um, older uh, grandparents, I'll say, that are supporting their children and helping their children by taking care of their young ones, helping to care of their young ones. So when it comes time for the older person to need care or support, is that reciprocated? That was a question being asked, you know, uh, that what are you doing to educate your children uh, that you have the responsibility and the obligation to, to take care of uh, uh, of the elders? I, I thought the, uh, the um, input that we got from the young gal who was in her 20s because uh, people did, I did ask her what she thought her responsibility was or the responsibility of her generation in helping to care for older people and what was her understanding and uh, what was her understanding of their needs. And and she seemed very empathetic, but I think, she, if I remember correctly, she also said it depends if you grow up with older people around you. Yes. So yes. in her particular case, she grew up, she's growing up with her grandparents around her. But what happens with younger people who aren't exposed to grandparents or older people in their family or circle of friends uh, and that's where education comes in and that's what the this this luncheon this vision luncheon was all about about extending the education beyond let's say the the generation of of the people who have older parents but also to younger people and what is their responsibility or role? Because as the population is aging and there are going to be more older people, how are we going to be cared for? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was really insightful, um, very well-run well uh, uh, panel. And we were getting so many questions asked from the audience. We had them pass uh, uh, index cards to, uh, to Felix. Phyllis, I was in the audience and I saw that the, uh, the uh, they were engaged. Audience were were engaged, and uh, and I could tell very much that the participants were engaged. And I was really glad that we had this uh, this cross section, the the multi generational. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we had the twenty something, we had the forty something, we had the fifty something, and we had the sixty something. Right. Uh, you know, onwards into the seventies. So that that. It was really, really an excellent way to begin this conversation and to talk about the multi-generational perspective and and the challenges uh, uh, that it provides. My goal in in the panel, and I'm, I'm sure the overall purpose of the luncheon, was for people to leave there and begin to think about... Uh, what their plans are as they age, uh, if they have more care needs, and to um, begin a conversation uh, with their um, with their children, uh, whether they're in their forties or if or their grandchildren if they're in their twenties, because most people are not having this conversation, as we well know. Yes, yes, we very much know. And. Go, no, you go ahead. You know, one of the the things that I came away with, and and we've toyed around with this idea before in Olive, in Olive Community Services, is creating some kind of a, a grandparent grandchild mentorship and friendship, just like the Big Brother, the concept of the Big Brother, right? So that grandparents that live in one place. 
and their grandchildren are far away and vice versa, that they, you know, that those children have the opportunity to grow up with grandparents, even if they're not their own grandparents. Uh, And you and I have talked about this, having some kind of program where um, I think I even likened it to like pen pals from years ago, Uh, uh, not adopting a person, but, and it doesn't even have to be only people in the community, but people in, whether it's long-term care facilities or assisted livings. And and we've talked about creating some kind of visiting program where people Mm -hmm. can um, you know, develop that, relationships with older people. and yeah, that, yeah. that reminds me of a story I think I may have shared on our program before too when uh, these young students went to visit a nursing facility and this uh, little girl is there and this uh, elderly, you know, resident, all she wanted was, you know, can you call me grandma? Oh, wow. She oh, she wanted to be called grandma and talk to her. And, and that was all. Uh, wow. I got the chills. Yeah. I really got the chills. That's really. Yeah. Because people yearn for that. They yearn yes. for those relationships. It's all about relationships mm-hmm. and the relationships through the generations. Mm-hmm. And uh, there may even be people who don't have grandchildren, but they still yearn for some kind of extended relationship beyond themselves or their children even if, and maybe they don't even have children mm-hmm. no that's uh, that's very very true that that human touch that human relationship and uh, and we are hopeful in olive that uh, that we will begin to address that sooner than uh, than later yeah. i remember when um when my daughter uh, had her uh, first do- a child, which is a girl, and um, it was a little difficult for me, to be honest, uh, to be called grandma. I, mm-hmm. I just, it just didn't, um, because the word itself connotes to me somebody, my, what my grandmother was, and I don't see myself a- a that way. And she said something that I thought was very poignant, which goes to what we were just saying. She said, the term has nothing to do with age, but it's your your station in the mm-hmm. family. And that really was an eye-opener. And Interesting. it's yeah. so it's basically what we just said. It's your station in society. It doesn't even matter if it's your own grandchild or if you've had children, but it's your station that you've rece- you've achieved this, you know, you're on another level um, generationally. Yeah. You know, the, the word grand kind of implies that. And uh, there was definitely conversation, especially from our youngest participant, uh, the college student. She She's fortunate to have fourth generation right. of family in the near vicinity. And she was talking about grand aunts and grandmoms and, and how they're growing together. Remember that, yes, Remember that conversation? I do, but there's something that you just said that really struck me. And maybe this is something that we can build on when we talk about vocabulary or verbiage and we say about old or an old person, that inherent in the word grandma or grandpa is the word grand. That's really the root word. And um, grand uh, is, is, is uh, what does that imply? It implies something bigger, maybe better, maybe wiser. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about wisdom, older people having wisdom. Um, that's really... Um, Mm-hmm. That's really something maybe we can explore from a we vocabulary can, point of definitely, view. Definitely, because vocabulary, words matter. Uh, matter, yes, they words do. Words matter, words matter. And I think we are going to take our first break now, Phyllis. So thank you very much. And we will be back shortly talking about our vision luncheon and the survey that we conducted. And this is uh, Rubina Chaudhary and, and Phyllis Amen, both from Fullerton, California. And I have to say the weather is gorgeous out here. <laughs> I don't think I want to go home, Rubina. <laughs> that, she's been out on the back patio in the sun a good part of the morning. Right. Thank you. And we'll be back shortly to continue the conversation on Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. 
world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Phyllis Heyman, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phyllisheldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chantry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of Olive Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rabina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Hi, welcome back. Uh, here again in Fullerton, California with Rubina Chaudhry. It's great that we're together doing this show. And we're talking about the Olive Community Services third annual vision luncheon that was held this past Saturday, December 14th, out in Buena Park, California, which is the reason that I'm out here with Rubina. So we wanted to continue the conversation talking about the um, aging readiness survey that Olive Community Services conducted. Uh, It was really quite an interesting survey. I hadn't uh, heard about it until I was here. And um, there were really six categories um, and six simple questions. So I'm just going to go through them and say what they were. Okay. So the first area uh, that they asked people about was daily living. So this included activities of daily living, which is taking care of yourself, bathing and and dressing and eating, um, as well as household chores, home maintenance and being and grocery shopping, I guess. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. part of it. Mm-hmm. The second one was your residence. So it was about aging in place. If you have made home modifications or have you consulted a certified aging in place specialist or if you live in a ground floor versus a multi-level residence. The third area was financial management. So that included your source of income, um, bank access, bills. Do do you have plans in place where other people are aware of um, if something happens to you, what your bills are, where your papers are located, um, who's to pay your bills, and what your finances are, are, are you able to cover those? The other one was health care, uh, medication management and doctor's appointments. Then transportation. Uh, are you in, enrolled in a transportation service, or do you have a... a uh, um, a relationship with the transportation service or who drives in your household or do you drive or do you have relationships with people who help to get you to your appointments? And the other one was, uh, which I thought was very interesting and important, was about your social life. 
So it was in had to do with your social circle, your spouse, family, friends, community, and work, that you have those relationships and that you're you're not isolated. So do you want to talk about the results or how, how did this survey come about? I think the listeners might be interested in it. Yeah, yes. One of our um, supporters and a regular speaker, um, uh, Shabir Mansouri, he called, he's a researcher, uh-huh. And uh, he called me and said that he has a topic that is uh, very timely, that Olive is the right platform for the discussion. And the topic was that in their close circle, two of their friends had lost their spouse. And they were going through all the different uh, you know, things related to that. And uh, Mr. Mansouri is very perceptive. And uh, he he was the one who brought this topic. He called me one day. I was on a, a long drive from Fullerton to LAX and providing me good company while we had this conversation. And definitely we had one uh, Live, Learn, Thrive program where he came and spoke and we involved the seniors there. And there was enough interest in having that conversation. But also there was... Um, it was noticeable that this was not an easy conversation that people can have. So then we brainstormed, you know, how can we do it? And of course, we were familiar with this young lady who's a PhD student, I believe. She helped us design the survey. Mm -hmm. And we conducted it online as well as we conducted it on our grandparents' day. So our sample size was not too wide because we were really pressing the timeline because we really wanted to start the conversation at our vision luncheon in December. Mm-hmm. So we said we can have a much larger sample in the future, but let's start the conversation. So that's that's how the this idea came about. So um, just as with uh, the general conversation about aging and plans and have people made those plans or thought about those plans, were people um, willing or... Um, uh, uh, were they yeah. active participants or willing participants? <laughs> or were they reluctant participants? How, how did that work? They were hesitant participants. Right. They were hesitant participants. I think for the first time they were reading the questions or saying, oh, we yeah. have to think about it, you know. And, and uh, I myself had to think about it. You know, I would think that, you know, I'm trying to do a lot of things, but at the same time, a lot of our financial information resides with my husband right. or with our bankers. I know I can pick up the phone every any time and, and get that information, but I don't have it resident in my notebook or something like that. You know, when you're saying that, it reminds me, my father passed away when I was a teenager, so of course that was many years ago, but it's so re- it was it's even more relevant to me in as you're saying this because my mother had no idea yeah. i mean he he passed away suddenly mm-hmm. um although he was in his 60s he passed away suddenly and this is an area of deep concern uh it's not the first time i've heard that and people have no idea and then unfortunately they become prey unfortunately to Mm-hmm. Just other things, and we'll discuss that another time. But the results uh, of the survey or the basic questions, uh, the responses were supposed to be, are you prepared or unprepared? Yes. Is that correct? It was prepared or unprepared. And at Grandparents' Day, I asked a couple of the uh, couple of the people there, a couple of the elders saying, here's a survey, I want you to fill it, then I want you to go to other people. And that was when we got the most results, not from online, not from young people asking, but from their peers asking. Oh, interesting. You know, their, their peers asking and, uh, and completing that uh, survey. So I, I just noted something. Um, so it, it was prepared versus unprepared or haven't considered. Or haven't considered, considered which yes. is very important. Um, yes. I know I would probably say haven't considered for all of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm being honest. Yeah, well, no, that's, that's, There's no right or wrong answer, uh-huh. by the way. Uh-huh. It was just to get a feeling of where people are in this process. So uh, do you want to um, talk about what the results were? 
the, a little bit? The group that we had, um, about half of them said that they had talked about it or considered it. And about, you know, 60% of them said that their residence was uh, acceptable, whether it was one story or whether they had a, a room on the main floor. Um, uh, financial management, I think they felt pretty positive about that too. Uh, but I would think that depends on the on who's speaking. Right. Men, <laughs> men felt more comfortable than than women than women did. So we did divide it up on you know which area. You know, for example, healthcare. Women were saying, "I know more about my husband's healthcare than men know about their wife's healthcare." Right. Uh, transportation. You know, sometimes one of you know them drove, and the other didn't drove, uh, didn't drive. Uh, social life. Uh, a lot of that was more leaning towards that it's uh, wives' friends. Um, Interesting. That, yeah, it's the wife's friends that uh, that they socialize with. So uh, I could see, first of all, I wanted to mention something that I neglected to mention in the first segment, which was that we had a large number of men attending this conference, which other men noticed, including your husband, yes. and you and I didn't notice it. And we thought that that was great because usually men might not be interested in this topic or come out to talk about it. Uh, you know, that's very interesting because we did not notice that. No. We did not notice that. But when my husband did mention, you know, I was surprised that there were, you know, a lot a lot of men there. And not only that, the men that were there, they're community leaders. They're at the forefront. And so... The multicultural community is really addressing this head on. And I think Olive is really at the forefront. Oh, that's it's at terrific. the cutting edge of this uh, of this topic. Um, you know, those of us that are in in our life stage, my, you know, the 60s, high 50s, 60s, uh, some of us have had our parents here and some of us have had our parents far away. Like my parents are far away. Right. The other person's parents are far away. And then couples said that their parents are, are here. But now it's us in the next 10 years that are going to be the elders. Right, right. I think that's where the real interest is coming from, that it's it's now it's going to be us. Which is what when I talk at seminars or conferences, I always say, and I wrote about this as well, that we're really talking about our future selves. It's harder for somebody in their 20s or 30s to think about that, although as they see some of their parents uh, having certain conditions at an early age, earlier age than would be expected, whatever that is, um, or seeing their grandparents go through things, I think they're starting to um, think about it a little bit. But I... When you talked about the social life question, what I thought was interesting was that you said that the men often socialize with the the women's circle of friends. And that's something that I think um, is, is impacted often when somebody loses a spouse. And it kind of goes both ways. So if a man loses the spouse and most of his uh, social contacts have been with the wife's friends, they could lose a lot of that. I know in, in my mother's case, uh, she lost a lot of contacts when my, my father passed mm-hmm. away. Uh, this often happens to um, to people. Uh, that's something that has to be considered as well. Uh, definitely, Phyllis. You're so right. And uh, we have realized that, that, yes, more women are coming to our programs than men are. But men are beginning to come to our weekly programs, and uh, we really need to encourage them and and increase their uh, comfort level. Um, I know my husband tries to come whenever he can. Oh, in, that's in cool. The middle of the middle, of the, at least for the lunchtime, if he does. Uh, 
I let a couple of his friends know they will come. So it, it's having those friends, having right. those, uh, uh, those connections. Uh, and the other thing is there are some things that men want to do together with men. Well, correct. And there are some things that women want to do together. <laughs> and in all, we're working towards, you know, creating those opportunities as well. We had board games and maybe it's a book club or something. Right. One of our participants' husband we they hosted an event at their house and he was so positive and so involved but he hasn't come to any of our events mm. but if we created something like a book club or a discussion club or something that interested him he might you know develop that that uh, that social and then we'll get them exercising right. together i i often say that um even in care facilities i just brought this up about a week or so ago um at a place that i'm um covering right now uh there's a gentleman who knows all about uh the capitals and the states he, he's great mm-hmm. with geography and i was saying gee wouldn't it be great for them to utilize you know, his the fact that he wants to share this information and have some kind of class or or I don't know contest or you know Jeopardy kind of thing and that's where maybe having um, activities that can utilize the expertise of the men to come in and maybe share their experience or expertise or give a lecture or class on something um, might be something to consider to get them engaged. Excellent idea, Phyllis. And uh, one of the things that we have done, uh, one of the gentlemen who is also on our video um, that you met, who's the father of one of the panelists, he is into uh, Photoshop, and he's taken his family's old fo- photos, and he's creating some kind of uh, photo editing. And we had him do a seminar. Oh, that's great! And, and so, so we're looking for looking for that that kind of opportunities. And where we are right now is. Uh, we have two programs that are running and we're looking forward to opening more programs, opening more opportunities and uh, and expanding. You know, we're just touching the tip of the iceberg. Right. So how long has Olive uh, Community Services been in existence? This was your third annual luncheon, but is the Olive Community Services, has it been three years or is it more than this? And this it's just been three years. Oh. Uh, June of 2016. Uh, we were incorporated, so just three and a half. So years what there. you've accomplished in three and a half years is absolutely amazing. And actually, you and I just met a little over a year ago. Yes, out here in yeah. um, LA at an entrepreneurial workshop, and uh, we got into a conversation about cultural diversity. And now that I think about it, not only where we've come in terms of our relationship and doing this show and so many other things, but where you were when I spoke with you, I think it was in like September or October, right. a year ago, September, October to now is just amazing. It, it really, really amazing. Uh, you know, and uh, here I had the opportunity, but I also had the obligation to, to share and talk about Olive and I had to prepare a presentation and, uh, and one morning when I was working on it and I wake, woke up and what came to my mind was Dr. Seuss's book, Oh, The Places Will Go. Right. And uh, and that uh, really is how I feel. You know, Olive did a tour to Spain, we talked about recently. Right. And we met, we were doing a radio show. Could I have imagined that here we, I would be sitting with this... Uh, a person from uh, Greenwich, Connecticut in my home office and and having this radio show conversation, I really, really, truly believe. The places places we will go. And and, and, and that goes both ways, vice versa. Who who would have known? I mean, my son lives out here in L.A. and I've come out here many times. And I had started to say a couple of years ago that, or somebody said to me, maybe you'll develop some kind of uh, business opportunity here or something um, in health care or elder care so that you will be bi-coastal and look how it's developed. It really, really, really has it, um, it, developed beautifully. It truly, truly is a blessing. And in the next segment, we will talk a little bit more about Olive Community Services and our programs. And uh, now we are going to take a break. This is Rubina Chaudhary and Phyllis Amen 
on Voices for Elder Care Advocacy, Voice America Empowerment Channel. what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Phyllis Amen, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phyllisheldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chantry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of Olive Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rabina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, here we are again in Fullerton, California. I'm here with Rubina Chaudhry at her beautiful, beautiful home in sunny California. So we wanted to continue, or I wanted to continue the conversation about Olive Community Services because it's such a wonderful organization that Olive and her, uh, that Rubina and her and friends, friends created. Um, it, it's, it just has a wonderful concept, a wonderful purpose, a wonderful vision. So, uh, Rubina, do you want to talk a little bit about how it came about and the different aspects of Olive Community Services? I know there's a foundation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there are different aspects to it. You want to talk about that a little bit? Definitely, definitely. Um, I was invited by a friend, you know, we, in the community, we started a seniors group and uh, my friend invited me to come and speak at that group. And I wasn't quite sure what the intention was. So I said, you know, can we talk about it? What is it that you want me to talk about? So I went to my friend's house, we were having lunch. And of course, and she also taught me how to make tortillas using the tortilla maker. So we joke about it, you know, uh, as well. So when my friend and I, we sat down and we talked about and we realized that this is really a need for the community. You know, when the community was young, uh, there was emphasis on schools, on Sunday schools, on places of worship and community centers. But now the community is maturing. Right. What's the next frontier? The next frontier is seniors and aging and and programs for that so that lunch led to the lunch the following week and the following three four weeks we added again you know friends friends Mm -hmm. you know um, and within about four to six weeks period we had formulated the vision and we sat around the table people asked how did the name olive come well, it truly was random we did not study the history of the word or the 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 entomology, you know, the origin or the significance, but it just sounded nice. Since then, we have been educated many <laughs> times over what a wonderful and powerful word 
Olive is and the concept and, and all everything about it. So that's how it was born, just from friends talking to each other, you know. Uh, you don't know where an idea can go. Oh, the places we will go, which oh, is what you, what you just said in the last segment. Oh, the places we will go. So um, our first priority became getting its 501c3. So we filed the application by December of that year. I'm talking about, you know, from June to December. Right. Worked very hard. And uh, then we started offering programs. Our first program was in um, a restaurant. Oh. We made, they had a larger room that we could use for exercise and for socializing. And we would pay them for X number of lunches, regardless right. of the number of people. We, so that's where we started. And then we developed our relationship with the Logar Community Center, where the classes for seniors, the t- exercise Tai Chi and balance is already oh. being offered. And that's where I would say to all the listeners, look for the community center or the senior center in your area and see what they're offering. Right. So we found this uh, Tai Chi and balance class. And then the first summer, we would go there, do the exercise. Then we'd drive to a restaurant nearby for lunch. Right. And then through the summer, we were able to make relationship with the city of Anaheim. And uh, we wanted to rent a room, a small room, Mm -hmm. uh, for a couple hours for our lunch and socializing. So we won't have to travel to a restaurant we were losing some people we would also you know careful do we really want people to be you know driving unnecessarily Uh, so they they actually offered us the program uh, the the use of the room oh that's terrific wonderful relationship with the city of anaheim active older um, adult program Uh, so that's how we came into being where we are in a community center taking the classes that are offered to general community free of charge. We have wonderful instructor, Dan Lane, who's been a speaker on OLE program as well. And was on this show uh, several weeks ago. On this uh, show, oh, that's what I mean, on this show several weeks ago. And then we back it with uh, uh, lunch. By After two hours of exercise, we're ready for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then... Uh, Everything from financial to crafts to educational to book club. And we have wonderful coordinators uh, and they do the program. So how many hours uh, is the, uh, is it, it's every day and how many hours is it? No, it's once a week. Oh, it's once a week. Okay. Wednesdays. And it's, uh, this particular program is four hours. Okay. Our second program is about two and a half hours. So we're finding as we go that based on what's available and where we are and what the needs of the seniors is, that we will have to begin to vary our, our format. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, as uh, our coordinator said, it's a research-based program. So not only research on, uh, in uh, what's good for the seniors, but also how we best uh, deliver our program. So, so uh, I just wanted to inter- sure. interrupt, if you don't mind, and ask you a question. So uh, we're coming to, to 2020. Yes. And um, you've done, this is the third annual Vision Luncheon. So what's your vision for your schedule of events moving forward for 2020? Oh, we have so many good things. Just this morning, we were making a list of uh, of things. We will do a Grandparents' Day, which was very successful. We will do an Eid Aftar, and we will do an Eid luncheon that City of Anaheim have already said that they will host for us. We will do one local trip and one broader trip, destination One's going to be to the date farm, to the date date festival. And, uh, and that's dates as in dates you eat. <laughs> we, yes, we, dates. <laughs> we, had that, we had that conversation earlier. Yes, Phyllis, uh, yes. which date festival? <laughs> what date festival? I'm single. What? <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> Medjool dates <laughs> in Coachella. Right. Uh, there's a, a, a date farmer who we met in one of the last conferences and he said that we can come and he would uh, take us on it and uh, Um, you you came up with the idea this morning and we are brainstorming and we will present it to the olive uh, board is of you know 
keeping the momentum going of this educational piece. Correct. Of Olive with the possibility of having uh, an elder care in America conference. An elder, yeah, an educational conference, possibly in a few months into the year, yeah. and covering a wide range of topics. And we we talked about it this morning. Yeah, and, and we will definitely uh, develop that. Uh, that concept further. Uh, we do have process in the, uh, and the policies in place on how we propose new programs right. and the, and what we have to go through. But definitely the, the idea is, uh, is most welcome. I know we only have a few minutes left. Do you want to talk about the foundation a little bit? Yes, we have recently started Olive CS Foundation. It's an endowment fund. And its purpose is basically to house the future facilities for seniors. The concept here is that Olive Community Services will remain the operational wing and Olive Endowment Foundation would be the one that houses the programs and the and the facilities. But if I may, uh, Phyllis, I want to share about our Olive Friends program. Oh, please do. Yeah, where we pair up a senior with a volunteer and they meet once once a week or talk and that is phenomenal. And uh, we will be expanding that and possibly to an agency. And I would really like to ask the listeners to go to Olive website, olivecs.org, go under media and and look at the video uh, that we showed. Listen, <laughs> I had the chills when you just said that, and I, I, I wasn't the only one who had tears in my eyes. It was really touching um, to see people thrilled uh, to say that they are an Oliver. Yeah. And I uh, just want to touch on this. You just was able to, um, what did you do with the um, with the logo? Uh, you just- Oh, yes, you patented the you logo. You patented the logo, which I think is really incredible. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Who, who would have thought, right? Who would have thought when hey, you came I'm up with the name sister. Olive, right? That, that you'd be patenting a logo. And right? the logo was designed by the daughter of one of our board members. Uh, it's, it's just fantastic. I met such wonderful people out here. I'm so thrilled, and I, I hope to be coming out here again soon. And um, we'll continue the conversation. We'll do another show from out here, hopefully. And so thanks to all the listeners for tuning in today and to everyone who participated in the Olive Community Services Vision Luncheon. And this is Phyllis Amon and Rabina Chaudhry on Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on the Voice, Voice America Empowerment Channel. Thank you so much, Phyllis. Thank you for listening this week to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Please join your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Robina Chaudhry, again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week. <laughs>